from their padded cell in Indianapolis, Indiana, this is The Spiel, Episode 10, Gen Con Part 1. So welcome to this special episode of The Spiel, the Gen Con episodes. We've hit double digits here, Dave, in uh, The Spiel land, and it feels pretty good. Uh, congratulations. Oh, yeah. Congratulations to you. Number 10. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I can't believe we're actually still alive after this. <laughs> Nobody's hunted us down. And... Yeah. <laughs> it said, stop, for the love of God, please. <laughs> But we, what a great way to, to tie in oh. with double digits for this field. Timing couldn't be any better. <laughs> actually, didn't plan it that way, but it's working out. Worked out awesome. In our favor. So we uh, have just been to Gen Con 2006, which happens to be right here in our lovely hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Which is the center of the universe for those four days. Yes. If you're gaming, a gamer. <laughs> in the gaming world, it is the center of the universe. So we thought you can't let that pass without taking advantage of that fact that it lands in our in our backyard basically right. once a year the entire gaming universe is here so we're not going to follow the the typical format for these episodes um your truckloads of goober never fear will be back in episode <laughs> 12 and all the challenges and everything will still apply come episode 12 but for uh episode 10 and 11 you're going to be in for a treat. You have to kind of think of it maybe as an extended news and notes segment if right. you want to think of it in terms of one of our segments. But we're going to give you the lowdown on just what is Gen Con and how, how it's all put together from a from a from just an attendee's point of view, as well as just tons of really cool games that we saw and all sorts of other wild, weird stuff. So just put on your geeky black t-shirt and come along with us because you're not going to believe all of the crap that we did in four days. But bathing is not optional. <laughs> so let's let's hit it. Cool. Well, I guess we can just start off with, uh, of course, every Gen Con attendee from the second you walk through the doors at the convention hall makes a mad dash to get his plastic bag full of swag. <laughs> yes, they always uh, put um, little freebies from all the different game publishers that want to sort of market their uh, you know, game du jour, the flavor of the month. So you get a bag full of, of sometimes cool stuff, sometimes Some, not so cool right. stuff. So why don't you give us a I would say this year was what? either average or above average on the goodies. It depends on what you were looking for. I think uh, one of the coolest things in the bag, and I haven't tried it yet, <laughs> but there was this miniature board game called Animales de la Muerte, which is, I guess, Animals of de Death. De la Muerte, yes. <laughs> animals of Death, and it's just this little teeny board game that you might have to have a magnifying glass, <laughs> but it's got the board, and you cut out all the little counters and pieces. And but it's a complete game. It's a complete board game, and it just looks insanely silly. It's like the size of like a cereal prize yeah, that you get in a cereal exactly box. exactly it. <laughs> exactly. So that kind of, I mean, hello, another board game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have to put that on our list or not. Oh, I think we do. <laughs> oh, I think man. we do. 
There was um, some software. There was like a bootleg copy of City of Heroes in there. It looked like a two... Quote-unquote bootleg. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there was a booster pack of Pirates of the Revolution, which is really cool. That's, yeah, that's Anybody nice. who doesn't know that little um, whiz kids the collectible... The Pirates of the Spanish Pir- Main. Yeah, that's kind of a cool little game. It was neat to see a booster pack of that in yeah. there. There was also a full role-playing game in there. It's a fantasy role-playing game that came with counters and everything. Oh. I think it was... How did I miss that? I didn't even notice that. Orcs of the that? High Mountain. <laughs> um, could be cool. I don't know. I haven't opened it yet. Um, everybody got an Ultra Pro deck box, like a 10. Yeah, like a really nice Yeah, thing. nice. Like it was in their like artist series or whatever, so it has like really nice artwork on it. Um, September issue of Inquest came in there, which was really cool. There was at least two or three promo or sample dice mm-hmm. in there. I know that um, Crystal Cast <laughs> always has a collector set for like Gen Con 06 collector set, but they tease you by dropping the D6 in the bag. And if you take the D6 to their booth, then you can get the other ones in the set for like a discount. Yeah, there's like a little collector tin. Right. That they're all missing the D6, so you could it, get the Gen Con specific set of dice for. Uh, Coming to the con, it's nice that they give you one for free. Right? Yeah, exactly. Can't beat that. Well, I'll put it this way: I have you can't. I can't believe I haven't bought all the sets, but I have all the little freebies. <laughs> at that home. is that is actually you've shown remarkable restraint in not doing that. Actually, pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> um, I think there was probably a lot of other stuff in there. There's tons of flyers, tons of that gives what, a good overview. Yeah, though, of, of gives you an idea of the kind of, of stuff you could you get could expect in there. to get in the bag. Of course, you're dealing with a huge throng of people at Gen Con. I know last year's attendance, they haven't put up the attendance for this year. Last year's attendance was, what, 26,000? Yeah. And I would say it was at least that big. It's Easily. probably pushing 30,000, I yeah. would say. So you have 30,000 game-crazed people <laughs> that are all there from day one. Most of them you know, come for the duration, I would say, because right. it felt crowded. Not overly crowded, but it felt full of people from Thursday all the way through yeah, Sunday. Yeah, it felt pretty busy the whole time to me. And you've got, you know... People, you know, like us who just kind of come in our shorts and T-shirts and versus people who have spent, obviously, months um, constructing elaborate costumes that they wear during sometime, the entirety of the four days, which is insane. And it has to be hotter than a... Yeah. You know what, but... Uh, but that just makes it fun. I mean, yeah, it's just... You never, every time you turn the corner, you have no idea what you're going to see. <laughs> your, your neck gets sore from all the double yeah. takes. You're like, did I just see that? <laughs> exactly. I guess I did just see a seven-foot-tall Pikachu standing next to a guy in pink mesh and a giant cape, and exactly. I don't even remember. I know you took some pictures that we'll definitely put up. Yeah, on, I did uh, get a few. On the site. I don't know how many costume pictures you got, but... Uh, we'll put the the best ones that we have up in the enhanced cool. version of the podcast for people to see. So it's just this sea of humanity, basically, right. from the get-go. You get your little, in addition to the swag bag, there's a program for the con that lists all the events, um, has the map of the exhibitor's hall, so you can figure out if you want to go to a particular company's booth. Which is a must-have. Oh, gosh, Because yeah. there's, how, how many booths do you think there is in oh. the dealer's hall? Hundred, I mean, yeah. easily two, three hundred, yeah, four hundred, five hundred. I don't know. Easily, yeah, easily, it's insane. We took, I think, the better part of. Um, I only think by day three we had actually exactly. gone up every single and down. Every We're pretty sure that we had visited everybody by day three. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but before we get into the exhibition hall, we want to touch on a few things that we'll get into a little more in depth later because there's That's all good. these, unlike 
a typical kind of trade show that you might go to where it's kind of all the convention hall and you know you it's open at eight and then it closes at five and that's the convention Gen Con and most gaming conventions, for those people who haven't ever done anything like this, doesn't really operate like that. There are literally hundreds of events going on surrounding the main exhibit hall with all the the manufacturers schlepping their wares. Right. And there's no way we could be doing podcasts for the next hundred to give you an idea of every single little ancillary uh, event that's going on all kinds of tournaments for every board game and, and thing. And we're not going to really get into a lot of that, but every single little nook and cranny in the gaming world has yeah. some sort of presence in terms of uh, either a, uh, for a trophy or for right, pride or even for, for some money exactly. thing going on. But or then there's just all playing these, for fun. Yeah, just playing know? for fun, just for the I'd say the every board game, every card game, every dice game, every miniatures game, every single game is represented somewhere Somebody's playing it somewhere, <laughs> sometime during these four days. That's and that's not an exaggeration. No. For anyone who's been there, they would be shaking their head and saying, "Yep, <laughs> without a doubt." Um, but in addition to that, you'd think that would be enough. In addition yeah. to that, there's all kinds of other really cool um, things going on. So we're, we're going to tease you a little bit and give you an <laughs> and then come back to, to them. So um, haul forth here, Dave. You start. Um, I'll start off with something that I know that we walk through the door immediately looked to our right and there was something called the Segway Challenge which is if you don't don't know what a Segway is it's um <laughs> a two wheel little self balancing vehicle exactly and so we'll come back to that and explain that but that was just we just did a double take when we saw that uh, not more than 20 feet up the hallway there's something called the Gamer Olympics that looks like a Roman co- you've walked into a Roman Coliseum with guys in you know Roman armor you know, inviting you to come in and participate in the Gamer Olympics. Um, it, what, just, further down the hall, there's the painting contest right. going on. Um, there's an auction. That exactly. We spent a good uh, deal of time, a lot of time in, in the auction. <laughs> Great place to get new and old games. Um, um, there's an art show. Our awesome art show. With excellent, I mean, high top end, you know, all the illustrators doing the artwork on these games or any sort of collectible fantasy or science fiction or genre related thing a lot of them come here and you can buy you know actual art from exactly Um, there's an author's area right by the artist things uh where there's a lot of they feature a lot of sci-fi and fantasy authors Mm -hmm. which is really cool um right next to that there are the what do they call the guests of honor the media guests of honor yeah yeah Um, signing places you've got like tv and film stars um, that are there to talk to or to sign and take pictures with, which is really cool. So, like we had uh, what uh, Kevin Sorbo Kevin, from exactly. uh, Hercules and Andromeda, and uh, two uh, what uh, what's his name from Battlestar Galactica, Jamie Bamber. Jamie Bamber, exactly. Um, and that's a couple of the MythBusters were there, which was that, kind of fun. that was neat. Um, but I know we're forgetting other people. Yeah, but, but there's Gigi Edley from uh, Farscape uh, right. was there as well. But there, that's going on, sort of. At the same time as all these other things, exactly. Um, and of course, I think the thing that's like the the big primo event that you you have to fight and claw oh. and tooth and nail, and we're yes. so disappointed we didn't get to go through it this year, is the uh, True Dungeon, um, which is um, the True Dungeon is this great event, sort of within an event. It's it's your chance to get to go through sort of a maze full of puzzles as though you were a party of medieval adventurer sort of a la D&D style 
So you have, you know, a wizard and a whatever, and um, you pay money to do this. It's in addition to, you know, your normal fee at Gen Con. But there's a whole, you know, sort of group of people that run that separate from Gen Con, but it's just gotten huge oh, in the last few years. Yeah. We've done it once, and we're really bummed we didn't get to, I think to do when, it this year. when the registration comes online, if you are not sitting right there and in within the first few, the first few hours, you're done. You can't play. It's just insane. Yeah. I don't know how many thousands of spaces they have, but they sell out instantly. Yeah. And, and that's it, like 30 bucks a head, I think. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should say, it, when you go through it, I don't mean you're just sort of walking through it. It is like a dungeon. You've got it set up sort of like a movie set, and it's dark, and you have torches, and they really do a great job yeah. of, of pulling out all, all the stops it, with it. It's great. I know in future Gen Con years, we hope to get our registration in on time, and we'll give you a better sense of, of how it works, but... That just, I think maybe that's a good place to stop before we go crazy cool. talking yeah, about all the exactly. all the uh, ancillary things that are going on. Cool, but it's sort of a convention that never stops. From the minute that it starts, there are events going twenty four hours a day, and it's not just you go to the exhibit hall and have fun, and then at five o'clock the whole con just sort of shuts down. Right, there's no shutting down. Yeah, <laughs> we're still what we're four or five days out. Four, I guess, three days out from still Gen trying con. to catch up. I'm still sleep. catching up from <laughs> from the con. We did do one thing neat this year is we actually got a hotel room right there, so we kind of immersed ourselves in it mm-hmm. the whole entire four days. In past years, we lived close enough that we would go, yeah, stay for easy to cheap out. eighteen hours, drive home and sleep, and run right back and do the same thing. But it was it was awesome. We spent some. The whole time felt much more like part of the event. Exactly, being down there the whole time. Exactly, and we got to partake in the great flood of the 2006 <laughs> <Yes>. Gen Con. <laughs> the uh, hotel we were staying at, the the pool, uh, had some sort of catastrophic failure. We're playing a board game. I think it was Gang of Four, right, in the lobby, and we suddenly hear all this. Oh, everybody's got to get out of the lobby! Hurry! <laughs> And the light fixtures in the lobby are filling with water and just, just gushing through the ceiling. Cascading water. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so apparently the entire contents of the pool had emptied out of the pool and had gone from, like, the third floor to the second third floor, floor to the lobby. The first. Just, you know, gushing, finding its, you know, water seeking at the lowest level, I guess. But And this was at, like, 1 or 2 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. You wouldn't think anybody would be bothered by that, but... Every place was still full of people, whether they're watching movies. That's the other thing we forgot oh, to yes. mention. Yeah, movies. There's yes. a lot of film, uh, fan films that are made that are, we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get to view any, but tons of movies being shown there. We got screener copies, though, of a couple yeah, of them. Exactly. Thanks to my little connection. So cool. uh, hopefully we'll, we can do movie. That would be fun <laughs> to do like gamer movie reviews yeah, down I'll, the road. I, I can't wait to watch some of those. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, uh, we've covered the kind of everything that goes on around the main exhibit hall so now it's time to walk through the exhibit hall doors and let's let's talk about some games after all we're a podcast about games and the people who love them so we've teased you cool. enough with all these other things we played and saw just a truckload of really <laughs> cool stuff so um I, w- I would say the obviously the first thing we did is we ran straight up to one of our favorite game companies booth rio grande Yes. We're not going to go into great detail at all about that right now because we have a special treat. Episode 2 is going to be completely devoted to Rio Grande game because we here at the Spiel landed an interview with Jay Tummelson, the owner and founder of Rio Grande himself. 
So episode 11 is going to be a Rio Grande special, and we're going to talk about we playtested um, at least five yep. of the new and upcoming uh, Rio Grande games that are either just coming out or will be coming out soon um, games. And so we'll give you kind of the lowdown on those, our impressions of those games. And then we've got about a 30, almost 40-minute interview with uh, Jay Tummelson himself. He was very gracious to yeah. do- donate that much of his time. Ross, and it, it turned out wonderful. So Yeah, and I think you guys will enjoy uh, listening to it. So um, you'll notice that there won't be any in this episode, but never fear. Next episode is going to be Rio Grande specific, and that'll be the part two of, of our Gen Con extravaganza. Exactly. So beyond Rio Grande, let's just dive in. You, you pick, Dave. You can start anywhere you want, and let's just start telling people about all the great, all cool the new games insane. that we saw. Well, I would say if... With the exception of Rio Grande, the one thing that takes you, that just grabs a hold of you when you walk in, usually, is the Wizards of the Coast area. Mm. It's usually huge, um, and they always have some type of set. You know, they almost treat it like a set rather than a booth. And this year was no exception. The big thing that they just came out with is Dreamblade. It's a collectible miniatures game, like a two-player collectible. Strategy. Yeah, kind of a. Kind of like a chess-ish it's type of thing than I was but, expecting. Right, it looks really cool, but they have probably they had this dragon poster that was probably forty foot tall by a hundred feet wide. I mean, mm-hmm. just insanely large. Big banner. Yeah, big banner. And as you go over there, because I, I think they're big. Um, isn't the Dreamblade was like a twenty thousand dollar tournament That's exactly this year? Right. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I wish we had learned how to play Dreamblade yeah. before Gen Con. <laughs> yes, we have our copy at home, but we didn't play test it in time yeah. to get into the tournament. But but the Wizards of the Coast booth is just massive, and it's got TSR, TSR stuff, Wizards of the Coast stuff, um, what other companies are all underneath them. Um, they just have tons and tons of stuff. With so, all the you know the Hasbro hobby line right. things. So, so HeroScape, the hero, giant HeroScape giant. setup. That's oh, I don't even know how big it is. Yeah. It's probably ten foot by eight foot yeah. at least. Because they've got and the, that's the entire board. I mean, that's all HeroScape pieces. All HeroScape stuff. And I know it's because um, they've got the new like castle type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had this setup. that it was sort of an assault just, on a fortress. Yeah, setup. it was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> um, and I know, just a little aside here, we were there, obviously, at the closing of Gen Con mm-hmm. when they were ripping <laughs> down that huge fortress, and it was a free-for-all who could get all the pieces that they wanted. Um, but there there was that. There was the new, what's the Cthulhu thing? Oh, that was, wasn't that WizKids? Not, That's WizKids. That was WizKids. That's fine. Uh, I digress. Can, can... It was just so close. Yes. <laughs> but, but before we go there, um, the D&D... That, yes. that they put out has some new figures that are insane. Yeah, there's a the Dungeons and Dragons miniatures game, um, sort of tactical miniatures game, has uh, some really neat giant uh, dragon figurines. Yes, yeah, they have a black one that's already game. out in the in the stores, and it's darn near ten inches <laughs> tall, but that's small. Mm-hmm. The, and I know that's the 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 D and D thing is what it's the year of the dragon. They're coming out with it, all sorts of dragon-related su- uh, supplements, so it makes stands to reason that they're, they're going to cross-merchandise and do all those exactly. <laughs> smarmy <laughs> but understandable business things the, that they got to do. The giant red dragon. I just... Yeah. My tongue hit the floor. <laughs> Dave has a dragon fetish that Man. runs a mile wide. <laughs> this dragon miniature that is... It's for real. They're, it'll be out in a few months, and it, you can use it in the game. 
it was two foot tall. <laughs> it was the most mammoth thing, one of the most mammoth miniatures mm-hmm. I've ever seen. But I think that's a good, uh, you know, entree into saying Wizards of the Coast makes sort of the biggest footprint on Absolutely. the exhibit hall. But that's a good picturing in your mind all these other smaller game companies kind of to a greater or lesser extent do a very similar thing you know they kind of have their slick exactly. uh, you know something to sell whatever their newest product is obviously the smaller the game the less budget they probably have <laughs> for the fancier things and when it boils right down to it all we care about is the game so right. you know you, you do get attracted by the bells and whistles and the pretties going woo big dragon but you know what's going to make you sit down and stay is that the game is actually cool Right, um, but there is definitely an ooh and off factor with you know their giant robots with steam coming out of them and, exactly. and paid people in costume. Even there was a giant what that stupid Pikachu running up oh. and down the aisles for Pokemon. And Wizards of the Coast always had they have like a little area that looked like a library, mm-hmm. and you could go in and sit and relax. They had a selection of their book, you know, right. a lot of fantasy the novels. fantasy novels and stuff. And they always have the the, the longest line. Yes, coming up to the booth because. Running from the time that it, the convention hall opens in the morning until the time it closes, they have this thing where you can roll a giant D20. Mm-hmm. You know, and depending upon what you roll, they have a whole stack of prizes. So it's just get in line, roll, maybe get a pack of cards, maybe get an entire game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's a line that never ends. Yeah, it's there from <laughs> beginning of the con to the end. So just perusing down the aisles let's just say we're walking down any old random aisle at the exhibit hall let's just start with a particular game company we don't have to go in order of how we saw oh. them or anything but um pick pick one off of our massive list here dave and and or a company that that you want to go into um i would say i remember um front front porch classics yeah um they make some gorgeous games um I, I, I'm not going to knock them. They might not be the best games on the planet, but the components are awesome. They all come in like wooden boxes, and they're just gorgeous. What caught our eye this year was they have a v- game called Valley of the Pharaohs. That Obviously awesome. an Egyptian-themed really cool. game. Not the only Egyptian-themed game at the con, which Death we'll get into far, later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just really a gorgeous like a cloth board, some... Really heavy miniatures. They're metal. They were like They're, big cast metal figures painted. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. There was a spinner, like a wooden spinner. Not like a cheesy, like a, you know. No, this uh, was like a game of game, life kind of spinner. This was like a, you know, what do you want to say? The uh, Price is Right, type, you know, yeah. big honking spinner <laughs> type of thing. But uh, that just caught our eyes right, right off the yeah, bat. The goober definitely caught yeah. Dave's eye. He's like, ooh. <laughs> Gorgeous game. What about you? Um, yeah. I, I definitely thought that one. I guess we should mention maybe Dread Pirate too, because that right, that's, that's sort of a segue into what is up with all the pirate games this year. Woo. Did you notice how many pirate games there were? You couldn't go down an aisle without <laughs> walking past two or three booths that had some pirate something. I guess it's because of the popularity of uh, the film Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. I guess, but I mean, we're we're we love pirates. I don't have a problem I mean, with that. We have a pirate party once a year where we pull out all of our pirate-themed games, and you have to come dressed as a pirate, and you can only play pirate games. So we were like, "Woohoo! More yeah. games for the pirate we, we party!" We can't possibly play all of our pirate <laughs> yeah. games now. It's insane. Um, so they had one called Dread Pirate that's sort of the same level of of gooberness. Gooberness, yes. <laughs> the games smack a little bit of the roll, roll and move, move kind of game. So we're not super high on. 
necessarily the games themselves. In their defense, we did not play test either one of them, but we right. did get sort of extended explanations of how the games work, and they definitely seem like if you could pair that quality of components with really cool, if they really thought out the the game itself, that would just be a killer combo. It looks like they're halfway there, but those were definitely cool. Um, I think that's a good way we could jump around by all the other pirate stuff that we that's saw. True. That we that's can remember. True. Do you remember Atlas Games um, had oh, that pieces of eight? That looks really where, interesting. I mean, there's just a guy standing in front of a huge <laughs> treasure chest of coins, and he's just heaving a match it. Yeah. Here, have a free Here, coin. Have a, have a coin. You arr. Know? Yeah. Arr. Yeah. Exactly. If you if you went up to his booth and went arr, you got a coin. Yeah. How cool is that? And the coins are actually the game. I mean, it's it's a game called Pieces of Eight. You get a, a little cylinder of, I think, 16 to 20 or exactly. somewhere in that range right. um, coins, and they're all imprinted, um, stamped into the coin, different things like pirates and value. We didn't get to play the game, but um, they come in different sets, so they're different pirate ships with different crews. You play it sort of in your hand in your and hands in your and pockets, in your pockets, which is really a wild concept. Yeah. Um, for the game, and it, there is a bit of, I guess, collectability to it right. in that there are all these different sets of pirate ships that you can pull out. Looks cool as all get out. My only complaint was just the price point on it. it was just a little bit high for at twenty dollars per for each person to play. You're going to have to shell out at least twenty bucks to, right. to sit down and play. You kind of understand it because they're all metal coins and they actually feel really nice in the hand. They have a good heft to them, but. Yeah, that one caught my eye. Um, let me see. I'm looking there, down my Playroom list. Playroom Games has a new Rain, Rainer Kinesia game, um, Dead Man's Chest. That's right. That's Is right. that right? Um, looks cool. Classic Rainer type of stuff. Uh, we did not play test this one, but we saw the game out and saw the components, card games, um, like four or five little boards, like little miniature boards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. Um, yeah. Rum and Pirates is the Rio one. We'll get into that in episode Definitely. two because we actually play-tested that. Can't Another for, pirate game. Can't forget that. Um, we'll see. That might be it for... Now I'm looking down my sheet and I don't see any right. of the ones that are jumping out. I'm sure there's pirate. some... I know another... there are many more, but the ones right. that, that really had the ooh and off actors, those are the ones that... that exactly, jumped out at. Um, so let's say, let's go on to... Um, well, we've covered uh, Immortal Eyes. We've mentioned right. that there's this new imprint from uh, Winning Moves, that they've started their own um, imprint to try to do more Euro-style games. And they're the three games that we covered before, uh, Pecking Order, Terra Nova, and And Conquest of Pangea. Um, They had those out. They were actually having a little Conquest of Pangea tournament that I think every day somebody won a free copy of the game. We didn't manage to score any of those, unfortunately. But (laughs) um, I got an extended uh, sort of play demo session with several of those and they look really interesting i'd say conquest of pangea and pecking order seem like the most interesting yes. to me terra nova seems like the most derivative yep. and not nearly as interesting as as i thought beforehand i agree um Absolutely. but pecking order i thought looks like a really nice quick little deceivingly you know kind of lost cities in its feel but yet totally different right. if that makes sense uh, right. you're playing cards across from a little Perches that your birds and you're trying to take control of the different perches and without going into all the de- details. The cool thing is it's a two-player game and it's just a bluffing game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's simple, but once you play it a little bit, you realize how evil and sneaky <laughs> it is. You know because you can play the whole game and 
you get a lot of information without giving a lot of information. Yeah. I love the fact that you can battle stuff and just tell somebody else you're comparing numbers. Yeah, you have numbered cards that you're playing on opposite sides of these perches, which is the game board in the middle of the board. Exactly. And you can just, they're face down, and one, one like an opponent will play his card face up, and then your card has already been laying out there face down. You'll look and you'll just say, I win or I lose. You don't have to show your card at all. The, other, the opponent just knows that, okay, he must have a higher number or he must have a lower number and you don't get to see it. It's, it's a cool little fun concept. Little, fun little um, bluffing game, especially yeah. for two people. You would think two-player and bluffing, bluffing game. Bluffing, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that would work very exactly. well. It would actually work pretty well. And Pangea, the oh, bits, the, the goober the is really awesome. cool. Um, really, the it's you know the Earth before it's been split up into the different continents. So you have the continents and then little recessed parts that you're putting pieces into, and you're trying to score points by different configurations of the pieces of the that pieces. you put into the little insets. Looks and then the continents cool. are shift apart. I mean, they're all like individual ones, so they start to get you know. It's just the bits are sweet. Yeah. I think it's funny that we had a, a kind of extended conversation two Gen Cons ago. Oh, this is awesome. With uh, one of the people involved with Immortal Eyes, and they were talking about um, wanting to know that the lady we talked to was interested in uh, two-player two games. games and wasn't really aware of a lot of the German-style, the Cosmos two-player games like Lost Cities or Balloon Cup or Caesar and Cleopatra. So we just sort of gave her this laundry list of games, and then talking to her this year, she was saying, you know... I don't remember who it was, but a couple Gen Cons ago, we were talking about uh, these German-style games, and the more we played of them, the more we realized that winning moves should be getting into this market. So I'm sure it's not just because of us, but we'll we'll take we'll take a, 5%, well, 2% exactly. of the credit there for at least saying, hey, there are lots of really cool games out there, and and you know you open the door to the right people, and they're just going to exactly. go through, and we... We hope to see more from them. That, that's awesome. I hope we had something to do with that. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see as many new game companies come out with those style of games as possible. Mm -hmm. Makes for a good story. Exactly. Know, if it's not true, exactly. we're going to claim that it's true. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think along those same lines, I don't have the names of the games in front of me, doggone it, but the, one of the really interesting oh, things I, I know thought, what you're going to say. Um, is that <laughs> Mattel had a sort of stealth booth at, exactly. at Gen Con. You know, you've got Hasbro there, who's kind of the big boy on the block now. And gosh, I don't even remember what the title it of their booth was. Some... It was some sort of electronic device. Yeah. But sitting in with all these little electronic devices were two of these, even from a distance, they looked obviously like German-style games yep. and come to find out. One of them was Voltage, I just remember. Yes, that's absolutely... Voltage, and then the other, the other one, one was, was Arabian. Was an Arabian Bazaar camel and we talked to uh, the um, person, was it Brian Yu or something like that? Something like that. It was name. either the designer or the designer's brother. Right. And we talked to them at length about um, Mattel sort of waking up and smelling the coffee <laughs> and realizing that they needed to get into this market of Euro-style games. The games themselves look very derivative, I have to say, yeah, just I'll, getting the, the lowdown yeah, from there the people at the booth. There wasn't a lot of unique things about those two games. Um, unique it, maybe to Mattel, yes, but not to the Euro. It looked like they said, what else out there is popular? How can we copy it and make Ex it a little bit different? Exactly. And, you know, that's not necessarily encouraging, but to me what it means is they're, at, they're being hit where it counts the most, which is the bottom line. People right. must be buying all these other wild, this wide variety of games that are out there, and they're not buying the monopolies or whatever, and you're actually forcing, you know, the... 
you know, 40 ton gorilla out there to go, wow, you mean we can't just keep making Monopoly till, you know, the cows come <laughs> home that we actually have to start making other style games because that's what people want. And I think we all benefit from that. Right. So to me, it, their games didn't impress me, but what right. impressed me was that it, it's obviously having an impact on right. and what, what we, they're what wanting we to can, do in the future. What we can hope will come out of it is that these games are going to be marketed to a gargantuanly wide audience, people who may not be familiar with the Euro-style games. So they may go to their local Target or Walmart and pick up Voltage yeah. you know, and not have a clue and play and go, wow, this is really different because they won't have played the These bajillions games. of games that we have, and with any luck, it'll turn them on to the, the cool things that are out there. And make them listen to the spiel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's next? Um, well, I think there was um, a little booth there um, that you purchased an item in. Um, there was a, a game called Kinetigo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was a really neat parlor-style um, dexterity dexterity game? type of game that's really I'll let since you bought it I'll let you explain it this was our one splurge item of the con <laughs> uh, Francie my partner in crime fell in love with it and and we just couldn't walk out of the con without one I knew as soon as she was like woo we were we were destined to have that in our collection so it's basically picture a sort of tabletop wooden magnetic Shuffleboard game. Exactly. And you basically get the concept. It's a long, basically as long as like a dining room table style wooden board that's been waxed perfectly smooth. Um, and you have little acrylic or lucite pucks that have magnets in them. And you have a little horseshoe that's like your shooter that has a little cutout and it has a magnet in it, in it as well. The When you slide the puck into the horseshoe, the poles of the mag magnets are the same, so they Dang. repulse each other. So you pull it in, you actually have to kind of hold it or it's going to go shooting out. So when you let up your finger and you kind of flick it, it shoots down the, the playing field. And just like shuffleboard, there are little squares that you're trying to get With your puck to values. land in. The additional cool thing <laughs> is that not only are those two ma there are two magnets in the puck and in the shooter, there are magnets in the board. They're embedded in the sides and the ends of the board. So you can't, you know, it looks like, oh, I can shoot mine straight for that three over there. No, there's a magnet right <laughs> at the point of the board where you have to scoot by, and it, you know, the magnetic field pushes Just your puck deflects out you of right the way. away. And the opposite players' pucks are also the opposite or the same polarity, so. You don't. It's like pool, but they never touch. So you can push people's pucks out of the way. Just totally unique. I mean, to me, that's what I look for at Gen Con when I'm looking to buy something. Exactly. Even though this was a little bit of a pricier purchase right. than we were. But you want to see for. these unique items that you're not going to see that anywhere no. else. But at some place like Gen Con, and it's the kind of thing that, like Francie said, we have her grandmother's uh, Skittles set. Right, you know, great old classic dexterity kind of game, and it's been in the family for years. And she said, you know, we have to look at it like that. That you know, it's something that someday, hopefully, we'll have. You right. know, our people that come after us will be playing those games and thinking, man, I'm glad they got that. And and this specific booth also also reminds me of something else. The people running the booths. Mm. These people were so nice. Yes, and so into their product. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just. They want you to love it as much as they love it, and yeah. it's great, you know, spending the days with people like that. It's the definition of kind of mom and pop 
run yeah. groups. And it's fun to see that next to the multi-billion dollar right. Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, Behemoth. Exactly. That, you know, they're all kind of on even playing field. If they've got good games, that's really what matters to the people that are there looking at all the stuff. Um, but yeah, that that was by far that was really fun. Both a really cool one. Um, let's see. Maybe we should hit some of the big boys like uh, Fantasy Flight and Mayfair. That, that's cool. Um, Fantasy Flight just is continuing to impress oh. me with just the breadth of I don't understand how they can continue to no. churn out as many games as they can in as short a production cycle as they have. Um, we actually did get to sit down and do a couple. We've got to demos. play test a couple. Um, one of them is a Blue Moon City, which is a board game, sort of continuation of the theme set up in Blue Moon, the card game. Right. It's a Rainer Knizia game. Um, it's two to four players. I'd say it's about a, an hour right. to sit down and play the game. We we sort of had an extended demo. We didn't play it from beginning to end, but we definitely got a sense of the overall rules. You want to go into explain anything about it, your impression of the game or it it seems really neat it kind of takes it um it starts where the other game left off i believe in blue moon you're kind of destroying all these cities and stuff and here you're actually working on reconstructing it and it works on kind of the same premise it's basically a card game at heart you're collecting all i mean you have a handful of cards from all these races, races. and each race is a different color and each color has a different power and it's all this combinations of mixing these cards together that give you these abilities that was just mind-boggling i don't think we even scratched the surface of what you can do (laughs) we had a demonstrator looking at our hands and going oh well there are all these combinations here and there and i didn't doubt her for a second that she was right (laughs) but holy crap i could not keep up with the number of combinations that you could see in just a simple five six card hand um definitely more depth than it might look like exactly surface um it had nice bits too. I thought the little dragon figurines. Oh yeah, and hello, really dragon cool. figurines. Yeah. Must have <laughs> sucker over <laughs> dragon sucker over <laughs> there. <laughs> we yeah. played. Uh, Francie and I played Great Wall of China. Right, which happened to be another Rainer Kinesia game. Um, it's uh, two to five players. Probably plays in about a half an hour. You're each playing cards to a different part of the Great Wall of China, trying to um, gain the emperor's favor which are represented by little favor tokens of different numeric value. Um, I thought it was funny because it had a kind of similar mechanic to loot, a game uh-huh. we covered recently uh-huh. where you're trying to play cards out to capture those tile, the tiles like the pirate ships in loot. Uh. And if no one plays to the place where you've played and it gets back around to you, you get to take those tiles um, oh, okay. off the cool. board. So. Similar, but yet different. I mean, it's not right. a, not just a copycat. By it's not like a rethemed version of loot. I, or anything. I didn't get to play with you guys on this, but the artwork looked really cool on these cards. It was really cool, sort of very Asian themed, and you have cool. kind of the Great Wall in the background and little dragons and and different Asian uh-huh. themed things in the front of it. But just a an overview of some other things going on at the Fantasy Flight booth. Great. Uh, we got to see the Arkham Horror expansions up close and personal. We didn't have the requisite four hours to play <laughs> Arkham Horror, so we, we didn't uh, actually play the new expansion yet, uh, but it looks awesome. Um, Warrior Knights and Tides oh, of Iron, I think, cool. were the two that, that caught my eye. Those and looked awesome. And I know you got Warrior Knights. I, I did. I got Warrior Knights. I can't wait to... I haven't even opened it yet. Mm-hmm. And Tide of Iron, I thought, it looks cool. It's sort of tactical level World War II 
board game. Looks like uh, Memoir 44 from uh, Days of Wonder now has yep. a, a legitimate contender or competitor. It looks really cool. I think that'll just push both of them to be better games as a result. And I, then, and I know the one game that you couldn't get near <laughs> was, there's actually two of them, um, but one of them was their Marvel Heroes that hasn't quite hit the shelves yet. Mm -hmm. um, looks really cool. Board game, miniatures. Um, it's going to be like their middle box game, which is like 60 bucks. How painful is that? Yeah. Um, but it looks really cool. You couldn't get near the table. All little plastic figurines from the Marvel yep. Universe, the X-Men. Pre-painted. got the Fantastic Four. Really neat looking figures, and the game looked cool. And then right next to that was the World of Warcraft thing, yeah. which was just a table full of goober. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like just like it's, you know, first brother descent. Which um, I think does it already have a expansion yep. out? Yep. Oh, yep. Man. They had that on sale. At Fantasy the... Flight. They are the expansion kings. Yes. I would say I have. I don't know fifty expansions for stuff that they make. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just crazy. I could totally believe it. So moving down the, the row, I'd say let's let's go Mayfair next. Mayfair had a lot of neat looking games I thought this year. Well, yeah. You know, before we even get to the games, they were doing an awesome little promotion. Yeah, absolutely. That Explain I thought, that. That I thought was great. Anybody who's familiar with um, Settlers of Catan, which is one of Mayfair's largest sellers, um, in this game there's commodities. Five commodities, wood, um, I can't remember what they all are, but... Wood, ore, sheep, uh, grain, bricks, bricks, and grain. And grain. And so, so, <laughs> so what they've done is they set up different stations in the convention hall and there would be like a wood station if you would go to the wood station and play test the, games, the games that was at that station you would get a ribbon that said wood on it and so you had all four days to collect a wood ribbon a sheep a sheep ribbon a brick you know, a brick ore. exactly all five of those if you collected all five then you got a coupon for half off of any game at their booth which is basically getting a game at cost, yeah. Which I thought was really cool. That's a yeah. You know, in addition to the to the savings, it was just really neat to see all these people walking around with little ribbons <laughs> hanging off of their badges. Mm -hmm. It was just a great idea. I hope that they continue it in future Gen Cons because I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I should jump in here too and say that in past years we've kind of knocked Gen Con and the exhibitors for not really offering attendees very much of a discount off of just going into a brick and mortar store or other places to buy their things and this was totally the opposite. I felt like I got more really good deals at this Gen Con than anyone I've ever been yeah, at. I thought the, the deals were great. Um, from, you know, actual game publishers to just game retailers that were there selling, you know, twenty dollar games for five dollars. Yeah. How can you you know, <laughs> I was like, well I might be on the fence at twenty. If it's five, hand it over. I'm a sucker, right. you know, if it's five or less it's worth that, you know, we've said that. That's kind of our $5 rule that, you know, take a chance. It's only 5 bucks, and you might end up with a really good or unique game that you wouldn't get otherwise. Exactly. Um, but, okay, back to Mayfair. <laughs> <laughs> I, they had three games that jumped out at me. Two that we play tested and one that we looked at <laughs> we heavily <wanted> to. <laughs> uh, but was packed the whole entire four days. Mm -hmm. And what was the name of that game? Sheer Panic. Sheer Panic, thank yeah. you. I'm like, I knew it was... The, the sheep. sheep. Yeah, I'm like, man, it has something to do with sheep. But <laughs> it had these two-inch tall um, plastic plastic sheep. That are like really cartoony and goofy. Really looking. cartoony and really, I mean, kind of large, yeah, kind of yeah. chunky. Probably an inch, two inches in square. Yeah, uh, exactly. They were big. 
And um, the game looks really neat because you have this like formation of sheep in the middle of the table. Then each person has their own little player board. And the object of the game is to, it's, you're kind of racing to see who can get their sheep in certain formations because I think you get certain abilities as you achieve mm -hmm. these certain formations. Of course, I mean, you may you can move other people's sheep. You can move your own sheep. There's a black sheep. Of course, you have to have a black sheep. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just looks really cool. We got, like I said, we got the overview, but we didn't get to play test it. Mm -hmm. it it's one of those nice games to actually get to see out because from the box, you think, oh, it's a kid's game. Absolutely. I'm not, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that and not that I'm knocking kids' games at all because we have no. a great time <laughs> with kids' games too. But you would think that from looking at it, and there was actually way more depth to it. It's really more of like an abstract strategy game that yep. happens to just be sheep-themed. <laughs> um, and I thought that looked really, really yeah. cool. Thanks to Francie for being yeah. insistent. She's she like, wanted I it. really want to play this. And exactly. we ended up not getting to play it, but we, we spent a good, more time good demo when we looked over several people's shoulders. So it's worth, definitely, I think it's worth getting. Yeah. Wine Handler, I thought, oh. was the other one. It's a little card game, and they, they have a whole series of card games. I think it was a Da Vinci wasn't it one of the Da Vinci ones I think, or not? I think it might have been. I'm um, not sure. And uh, three to five players, is it an auction game? Is it a card-building game? It's both. <laughs> players, you're, you bid on lots of wine bottles um, to try to add them to your cellar, which is this configuration, this pyramid bid. of cards that you're trying to get that will eventually score you points based on how you order them. How you've them. constructed the but colors, the shapes. I love the mechanic. Wacky I, mechanic. The mechanic wacky I love mechanic. was that... Basically, whoever bids the most wins this lot of cards that's up for grabs. But everybody else wins the cards. Like if you're of the, the first, second place, of the, yeah. So if you're the second place, you win the cards that the first place player put out to, to win. win the lot. The third place gets the cards of the second player. So you can purposely see that somebody is bidding something that you need, and you can try to put a bid out there that will purposely put you in fourth place. Yeah. So you can win the third per, <laughs> the third place person's cards, or to entice someone else to not finish first because exactly. you're like, wow, I really need that gray card, so maybe I don't want to be first, so I can get that card. And then the last person's player is the lot of wine you're gonna bid on for the next round it, so you actually can see all the stuff that's kind of in play I it thought, was yeah. brain hurting but in a really good very cool way. <laughs> thematically we both love wine and it was fun there's these little components that were little like plastic plexiglass wine bottles yeah. that were really neat so i'm looking forward i we i didn't pick that up but yeah i will be picking that up <laughs> yeah and it's by uh, claudia heli and roman pellick who also did Santiago, which oh. we have played, and is a really, oh. really fine right. game. I don't think we've ever reviewed it on the spiel, but well, it'll a fine, it. fine yeah. game. We'll, we'll include that soon. Um, last one, probably worth mentioning at Mayfair, that we actually sat down and played, would be... Mesopotamia. Which is by Klaus Jurgen Reed. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Carcassonne himself. <laughs> Just by that alone, you have to assume it's a good game. And, and that it was. It was um, the coolest thing that you'll notice about this game right out of the gate is that it's a terrain it's a tile game and they're, they're terrain tiles not unlike several other games but these tiles are the strangest funkiest shape <laughs> yeah. that i've ever seen they're how would you explain that they look like an octopus or something yeah they're basically <laughs> like a if a hexagon uh mated with an octopus <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what, <laughs> that's they, what are. they look like because they're sort of still hexagonal but instead of having flat sides they have all these weird curvy tentacled things coming off of them but they still snap together like puzzle pieces it, it, um 
but it's basically a you have the funky terrain tiles. It's a resource management game. You have stones that are actually little rocks that you get to put on the board, and then little wooden pieces, and you're trying to manage your resources of stone and wood to build different structures or uh, have uh, more followers come to sacrifice things to the gods. Um, just a really interesting game. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was really well covered neat. in it depth. I'm sure wasn't wasn't super heavy, but you know, reminiscent of stuff like um, to call, mm-hmm. you know, meets settlers or something. You know, yes, what I mean, yes. kind of stuff like that. And I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. I would I would definitely look forward to playing that one again. Some of the other ones I thought that caught my eye at Mayfair were they have all those little small box oh, card games. That right. I'm really sorry that I didn't buy for five bucks a piece because that was just dumb that I didn't buy them. But um, Orient, Word Jam, and Mr. Mr. Bill were the three that jumped out they at jumped me. At, right. Um, I don't even – the one thing Mayfair's really bad about is sort of giving you a real good sense of what these games were about from reading the box, and they didn't have those out to demo – so we didn't even have the opportunity to demo those games. But I'll include links in the show notes to those three games so you can take a look cool. at them and see if they float your boat. There's several other in that, in that series as well. But those are fairly inexpensive, and I would encourage you to just look look more into them online and see what you can find out about Definitely. Orient, Word Jam, and Mr. Bill. <laughs> Um, I think finally, what, Emira, that was the last one that I have really on my cool. list. Arabian-themed, you're trying to... What a tra- you're trying to find? Uh, I it's a harem it, type exactly. game. It's involved. The board is sort of a harem, and I can't remember whether you're trying to attract. You are one of the harem members trying to attract. I think a a, a prince uh, to uh, uh, you know take you away. I guess, uh, <laughs> but we didn't we didn't have the opportunity to play test right. it. We just went. Ooh, that looks cool. It just looks very. It was cool. one of those last minute things. I'll include the show notes, like I said, links to all these things. Um, so let's move on to, to another one. Um, that was Mayfair Games. How about, how about we jump off of games for two seconds and um, go with some some booths that were okay, like pimping go for accessories. It. Go for it. Um, there was a booth that was pimping a little plastic thing called Hold It. And all it was was a, co- a card organizer um, the game that they were using to kind of show this off was Settlers of Catan. Uh, we all know that there's just tons of little stacks of cards in that game, and this was a neat little organizer that had the cards actually setting up quasi-vertically. Mm-hmm. Think of like a business card holder, but right. like... Um, right, with like to compartments. The exactly, a huge one with like 15, 20 compartments, and you could easily, with one hand pull any card out of the front of a stack of cards and easily tuck a card in the back of a stack of cards. Um, it was really neat. It's from a company called Innovatium. Innovatium. I'm not sure how they pronounce their yeah. thing, but we'll put a, a little link to their website in the show notes. Um, I thought that was really neat. There was a company called Hobby Cube. Oh, yes. That's, which was <laughs> I spotted that one. <laughs> making these really cool drawers, and basically they're they're unique in that they're different depths, different widths, and different height. Actually, they're always the same height. They're like 12 inches tall. But the cube, the cube the, part is. The cube part is, but, but the shells are modular, and you can you can customize each cube to anywhere from, um, you can put one, one inch, inch, two inch, three inch, four inch, all the way up to six inch shelves. So you could go, you know, for this cube, I want 
one six inch shelf followed by six one inches mm-hmm. or three two inches or one three inch and three one inches. But what an awesome way. I mean, the one inch is big enough to fit um, standard size polyhedral or other kinds right. of dice. So you could have all kinds of dice on one shelf. You could put, um, you know, all sorts of card games. That's I know you were looking at it right. for storing card, card games, games, dice games. You know, the th- I think it was a three inch shelf was just perfect for fitting that, a deck of cards. Exactly. The one thing they haven't perfected or figured out yet is to do like customized inserts. Right into the game. It's actually an Indiana company. We found it's right down right, the road. Right, it's like right Dave, down the road, um, which is really cool. But they're going to do in the future some sort of customized insert, so you could even do like a card game insert in the drawer, so you could keep your card game. Well, you could build something oh, yeah. very easily. And if you were looking at something like um, this for figures, oh man, my you gosh. could have scads and scads of these, all with a foam in of the right depth, and then you could have your one or two cases that you carry around and just. Pull open a mm-hmm. shelf and get out the foam things, put them in your case and head. But this would be, you know. Or even paints. Like if you had a little painting paint, station, exactly. you'd have your paints and your paint brushes in one of the thin drawers. Definitely, uh, if you're in the kind of the hobby side of gaming, right. as well as just, you got to have some place to store all these cool games. Exactly. This seems like a really afford and, and affordable, I guess that's the other thing, is I've seen really cool shelf units that are just stupid expensive, and these were just ridiculously cheap. Yeah, for they, what they you were got. very cool. Um, yeah, I would say that. The other, I guess this game-related thing, you got to mention, the custom laser-cut dice yeah. at Chessex. Uh, Chessex Manufacturing um, is one of the largest dice manufacturers in the country, and they always have just a luscious booth full of really pretty dice <laughs> of all sizes and shapes. And, and Yeah, they took it I, one step farther this year. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've upped the ante with all their competition a lot. Yeah. They were doing on-site at the con. They had their laser... Etch, etching machine there you could for a minimum of, of five dice at a dollar a die get a custom laser cut face on one of the the sides of the die it could be anything you could be text it could be a picture for a dollar it's i just Insane. can't can't stress how cool that is for how little money that is involved in fact look very soon for uh <laughs> For our prizes on the spiel, um, I've got an order in to do some custom um, spiel dice. Awesome. So people who win the uh, challenges on the spiel um, will be getting customized and spiel dice that are just – I can't even tell you how cool these yeah, dice are. And they were, they were so customizing cool. all of the really cool-looking – hot over-the-top dice styles yeah it's not you like know, you get a white just, die with the thing cut exactly you can pick your style of die you can pick what you get cut and you can pick the ink the ink that, exactly. that goes into it and it, for that kind of customizing work usually in the past would be you know you'd pay for the template and all this stuff right no setup fee like 15 booths down the way there was a germ german company yes. that was also doing um dice of the same type that were very intricate they, yeah um but they were five dollars a die. Yeah, and they weren't and these were custom. And they weren't custom. They were just really neat etched dice. Yeah, they had like Celtic patterns. I you mean, know. they were cool. Right, but, but. Um, yeah, Chessex was just amazing. Yeah, and and he's going to offer. We'll also put a link to this in our show notes. You can go to his website and do the exact same thing. I think he raises the minimum, the minimum 10 to dice. ten, but there's still a buck a die. Yeah. you can still do anything you want. So you know, if you have your own gaming group out there. And you want to have your own dice? Like I belong to a gaming group called the Rat Bastards, and I was telling them about that. And they were, you know, how cool would it be to have a little have rat own, dice, exactly, you know, with a little rat bastard logo on the on the exactly. dice? It's just so cool. Just 
you one can't. Of the, I couldn't go without mentioning no. that, even though it isn't a game itself. Right. Definitely worth mentioning. Very cool. That. Um, you know, one thing that I think you have to mention. Okay. Is there are booths with oh. clothing. <laughs> I know where you're going. You with can this buy <laughs> all types of clothing here, whether it just be the gamer goofy T-shirt or whether. Um, period medieval garb. Yeah. All the way. Belly dancing. Belly dancing stuff. <laughs> um, costumes. They had people doing not not quite clothing, but they were putting prosthetic ears and oh, noses. Yeah, of course. You know, on you. Um, but there was a booth. Yep. That sells kilts. Yes, I I got measured for my kilt. I'm I'm proud to admit it. Soon <laughs> I will be a free man. <laughs> I do have to say, though, you know, so you're, I didn't know what really was entailed in getting measured for a kilt. There's a company called Utila Kilts that had a booth there, and, and I've had my eye on getting a kilt for a while and just never had the time or the reason to do it. And I'm like, damn it, this year I'm going to go get measured <laughs> for my kilt. So, of course, I hadn't really seen many people that I had known just walking through the convention hall or whatever. And, of course, the 10 minutes that they have you having the kilt on <laughs> with your jeans around your knees, you know, while you're standing in the middle of this booth. I saw every person on the planet that I knew. Yeah. Oh, hi. Yes, I really do have my pants around my <laughs> knees. And, yes, I am wearing a kilt. Uh, but and hey, I have a picture to prove. Yeah, I know. I've got a picture of Stephen with his pants at his ankles. <laughs> with, <laughs> in a crowd of 20,000 people, no less. <laughs> but... But yeah, there's all kinds of you know ancillary. I'm, that's the word for this podcast exactly. for me. Apparently, I don't know how many times <laughs> I'm going to use it. But there's all these other sort of relate quasi related things that sort of are all really interesting and cool, but aren't necessarily games that are kind but of just mixed, kind of thrown into the exactly. mix next to the the game booths. You got the people selling all the swords and knives. <laughs> yeah. You've got all of the 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 booths selling leather goods. You know, goblets and right. um, dice bags, and maybe that's a good segue into the art show where you've got. I mean, they, I, I don't know how much more we need to say about that, but the you have all the opportunity. I think I can't stress enough to actually walk out with original art by Absolutely. some of these. You know, the artists. If you like the art on any of these games that you buy. A lot of times the artists are oh, there with prints absolutely. or even with originals in frames. Um, some of them, Dave even had one of the goofy artists. Um, he was like, tell me anything. I'll draw anything for you. <laughs> and so he you know, did a, a consignment order like there on the fly. On the Gave him the order one day and the next day came back and had a little piece of art for... For Dave and Roberta, awesome. and you know what it, was it? Your little it was, it was a cat attacking a dragon, or exactly. something. It was like a that, little a little kitten scaring the hell out of a ferocious dragon, <laughs> you know. And it was just great. I mean, the, this particular artist was was witty and wonderful. His stuff is very simple, but yeah. it's, it's a we awesome. we wickeds we wicked we exactly some love and, t and absolutely send people to his website because he was just really fun and they're very approachable and it's just fun to be able to thumb through these great artists. Right, if you, can't, if you can't afford the original stuff, they all have prints, and since they're right there in their booths, they're signing their prints. It's awesome, and these are artists that have done stuff for all the collectible card games, novel covers, whether it be fantasy or yeah. sci-fi, and there's also a lot of art that's not just... Um, what am I? Not just paintings and drawings. There's a lot of physical, yeah, sculptural, you know, sculptural type stuff. Art, yeah, um, really cool stuff. You should you should not go to Gen Con and miss the art show. Right. It's easy to say, ah, I don't want to look at that stuff because you'll be you'll be sorry if you do. 
Yeah, there's some wonderful stuff. Um, I think maybe we should do kind of a rapid fire here because there's so many of these smaller game companies cool. that deserve a little love too. Absolutely. And we've spent kind of a lot of time on the bigger ones. Okay. So um, one one that I saw that caught my eye was <laughs> Venus Needs Men by <laughs> Cinelix. Uh, sort of you know B movie fifty sci fi themed. Uh, you know the the sort of polar opposite of Mars Needs you know exactly. women kind of idea. Just campy fun. Uh, board game. We I got to talk to the designer for a little bit, and I would definitely uh, check it out. And I'm I'm looking forward to to maybe buying that sometime. That um, looked neat. Um, a game called Parlay from a company called Real Deal Games. Uh, we both bought a copy of this. It just looks really. It cool. looks awesome. We had a demo. It's Texas Hold'em meets a Scrabble. word game. It works like Scrabble. <laughs> and we had a quick demo, and it looks really fun. Get a little plastic chip or clay. I don't know if they're plastic or I think it's just plastic. But uh, there's a whole bluffing aspect to it. You're building, you know, it's a standard deck of cards. So at worst, you've got a really nice customized, you know, artwork deck of cards. But then they have letters and values on them like a Scrabble deck. And you're trying to use the flop and your two cards to make word combinations. Just a brilliant idea, I think. And you know, and they were offering a good deal again. You know, it was yep, twenty dollars normally, and you could buy it for fourteen. Right. If you bought two, I think you get it for like eleven bucks yeah. a piece or something. Yeah. I mean, it was it was great. Um, then there was the, um, scavenger, the hunt. scavenger hunt from Goodman Games, which <laughs> awesome little competing like us. Uh, we're all scavengers, scavenger like hyenas animals. and lions. You know, scavenging for um, carcasses. Yeah, you have a deck. Of, it's a card <laughs> game, so you have a deck of cards with carcasses. And my favorite, I think, my favorite card in the deck that he was showing us was the business end of a hippo. <laughs> exactly. How awesome is that? And again, five dollars. It was five dollars. We had him. the The um, designer was there. He signed our copies of the game. Person and personalized. And them. personalized them exactly. So that was wonderful. Um, Mimic was another one, sort of another safari animal exactly. themed game. Set collecting. I didn't quite kind of a, get the uh, whole it was gist a, of how it worked. There was a strange like laying of cards out, creating sets matrix. by the formations. And yeah, exactly. It was looked really cool. I didn't quite grasp it from that explanation, but it, it looked really cool. It would, you know, if the price was right, that would be one to, to look. I would look into it more, and I would encourage you to look right. into it more yep. and see if it's something that appeals to you. Um, oh, the other word game that I that caught my eye was that you've been sentenced. Ah, um, right. Game pentagonal cards that had a word in all of its different parts of speech, um, and you could line them up to you know use whichever form of the you know whether you needed the verb or the gerund or the adjective or the adverb to try to make a sentence, sentence right. and you could rotate them. Um, I you know he didn't even go into all the different games you could play because there are all kinds of different language based games that they had rules for when you got this set of cards. But just, I have not seen a word game in a long time that made me sort of step back and go, wow, there's somebody who's doing something really different with, yeah, with a was, word game, it was with very, a language I, game. I'm, I think they won an award for that, too. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, the company was, what, McNeil Designs? Right. They were even saying that they were in talks with some game show people. Exactly. To do, like, a television game show version of the game. And I think that would, it would certainly lend itself yep. from just the little demo we had of it. Um 
What other things on here? Oh, I don't really even know much about this one. This one I threw on there. You probably didn't even notice it, that the spoils. Did you see that booth? I saw the booth, and I didn't really. If they wanted to, like, be mysterious, they did a good job of being mysterious because unless you, like, sat down and played, you couldn't figure a damn thing out about it. It's a collectible card game of some sort. It seems to have some kind of mechanic like, what's that Fantasy Flight game? Citadels? Oh, okay, where you're where sort you of take on you're the role taking of... on the role of something, and based on that, you can play cards out. Which that seems like a really interesting twist right. to the right. nor- normal Puerto CCG. Rico and that type of stuff, where you get to to in- incorporate great... that into, into a, a CCG is exactly. really interesting. Yep. Tenacious Games is the um, right. company for that, and then maybe finally on the the sort of rapid fire <laughs> one here, cool. um, is the. You were doing the Kinzer and Company. Oh yeah, yeah. You should um, cover the that. Great, one too. The Great Space Race um, just looked like this fun little goofy kind of have these little guppy looking spaceships, you know. Tra- and anybody who knows Kinzer, they do um, Knights of the Dinner Table, kind of a spoof on gamers. Yes. So it's a comic based yeah, ex- on. So I have to imagine that this game is along the same lines. It's kind of a fun, lighthearted look at a, a space race, mm-hmm. and it looked really neat. Huge um, board, gigantic yeah, board. Yeah, very big board. Um, I thought that just that looked really neat. And what were you getting ready to? Oh well, the only other uh, the two miniatures games that I'm just gonna just oh, barely okay, go for on it. Yep. were uh, Crocodile Games, uh, War Gods of Egyptus. Uh, we have a special in there because they're based here in Indianapolis. Again, right. we have friends that work there, but um, that's in the interest of full disclosure. Exactly. <laughs> but that doesn't uh, they make... deserve some love. Yeah. It's a great Egyptian themed. Uh, Miniatures war game, amazingly cool oh, miniatures. Miniatures are um, awesome. They're all based on all the different Egyptian gods. So you have, you know, the jackal-headed army and the crocodile-headed army and the bird-headed army. Right. And I know that they have plans, hopefully this year, to come out with war gods of Olympus. So you can do ancient awesome. Greece and ancient Egypt. The figures are just beyond belief cool. Yes. Um, and the um, we've seen they had a huge display with them painted up that is just amazing. Some of cool. the some of the best painted figures. We'll I've try ever to have seen. our friend Kathy on sometime, not just to talk about Croc, but um, just games in general because she's an, a game wizard like us. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, Rackham uh, yep. Miniatures was the other one. They have a new sort of fantasy tactical set of miniatures that just. I mean, I'm not one that unless you really get close to look at them. I can easily walk by those and not really pay much attention to them. They caught my eye, and I just was totally sucked into looking at, I think, Cadwallon is the new ah. miniatures role-playing tactical battle kind of game, but just really distinctive and unique miniatures that I thought were definitely worth a mention while Absolutely. We're doing the, the one, rounds One, one thing that I want to remember, uh, Crazy Igor always has a booth. <laughs> And I actually got to barter with Crazy Igor yes. over a game, and I think after the haggling, we were both <laughs> both happy. But that was I enjoyed yeah. that. And you bought a game we've covered on the Backshelf Spotlight. I did. I bought Peg Poker. Yes. After having uh, seen Steven salivating over Steven's copy, <laughs> it just looked too cool not to own. And um, Crazy Igor had a used copy, and I managed to Talking score down. it <laughs> exactly. So that was cool. Um. So I think maybe we've kind of done the the yeah. overview of the game. So now let's go back to the things we teased you about a little bit. There are a few other things that went on with Gen Con um, that I think we should mention, not the least of which is the auction. I think we right. have to hit on do you the wanna, auction. Do you want to do all this stuff in this episode or maybe um, 
start off in, um, the next episode? No, let's with do it. Let's, okay, let's perfect. Do it. Let's do it. Awesome. You want to start off with the auction then? Yeah. It was The auction is awesome. It's one of my favorite parts, period, um, of Gen Con. Um, basically, the first th- one of the first things we did when we walked through the door is make sure we got an auction bidding paddle, mm-hmm. uh, which costs a huge dollar, <laughs> which is awesome. And they basically, from 9 a.m. till midnight, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, are auctioning off games nonstop. And all the way from goofy little you know, things that are considered toys instead of games, all the way up to hugely collectible and rare games. Um, and they almost always start insanely low. Yeah. You know, how much for this, for these, you know, 495 miniatures? We'll start the bidding at a dollar. <laughs> you're like, no. And half the crowd raises yeah, their hand. Yeah, you're like, you're, no way. <laughs> um, but there was tons of cool stuff. The high points are that both Steven and I came away with some great stuff. Um, I got some great 20-year-old Games Workshop board uh, bookshelf games. Um, I got Curse of the Mummy's Tomb and Kings and Things. Um, Which come- mint condition, awesome unpunched, stuff, right? unpunched, great stuff. Um, been looking for those to help complete my Your Games cool. Workshop collection. And it's one shy of being complete Ex- exactly, now, Exactly, exactly. And that, that game was there also, but I decided just to hold <laughs> off. Cause yeah, these it's can, a little more readily They available. can get a little pricey. Yeah. Um, so I got those two things, and I know a cool thing for Steven. Why don't you explain them to what you got to? Yeah, so we uh, – the thing about – it's sort of like going to a used bookstore where you never know what you're going to find. So we, we make it a point to sort of circle back and check the auction every once in a while just to see what's up, to see if there's anything interesting. And it was actually – we hadn't planned on really stopping in there. And lo and behold, they had a copy of a game that I hadn't seen since I was about 12 years old called Quest for the Magic Ring which is an old Lord of the Rings-themed uh, board game that I played the crap out of <laughs> in, at recess when I was a kid, and I just have such fond memories of that game that my eyes you know, got as big as dinner plates when I saw that, and I was like, I have to bid on that game, and I ended up getting it for a song. You know, I only exactly. paid about $20 for the game, and, and it's never been played. Right. The box looks like it's been sat on by an elephant, <laughs> but... The little component bag had not been opened, and the map that it comprises most of the game was fine, and the rules were in it. So that was buying a little piece of my nostalgic childhood. You know, you can't, you're never going to have opportunities like that if you don't stop by the auction right. and sit in and pay a dollar for that uh, auction paddle at the beginning. Because then, if something like that comes up, you're not like going, oh crap, I have to go buy my paddle because it's going to be gone if you don't have that thing right exactly. off the bat. The other thing I got was a game that Dave introduced <laughs> me to because they have a store for unsold items that don't end up going that some people will be willing, sort of like the buy it now thing on eBay where they'll take a minimum bid. And I caught, bought a copy of Neolithobum, <laughs> which is this wacky rock stacking dexterity game that I'm sure we'll cover at some point on a, a full-fledged exactly. edition of this spiel because it's just too wacky not to cover. But yeah. I got it for a... A whopping six dollars. Um, imagine a Jenga-ish type of thing, but with you a have caveman to, theme. Caveman theme, and you have to stand on one leg, touch your nose to the table while attempting to balance a two-inch rock on top of two quarter-inch rocks. Yeah, <laughs> on top of a wooden stump. Yeah, <laughs> insane. You caught it. That's exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> so I would definitely encourage people to check out the auction um, if you're coming to Gen Con because you just don't know. You might some years 
You may not find anything, and it may seem like a waste of time, but you just don't know unless you go. It's, um, it's a great thing. <laughs> then you've got, um, if you want to go into a hair more detail yeah. on the um, Segway Challenge. Yeah. I know we walked in and we saw these two, like, they almost looked like a tractor version yeah. of a Segway. They had these huge oversized tires on, mm-hmm. but they had this neat little... Cert, like this little course setup where you have to go in between pylons and fi- follow this straight line and make a specific turns. It's almost like one section reminded me of having to parallel park your, yes, se- yes. your Segway, <laughs> you know. And, and ba- it's timed. It's so. timed, and you also get points based on how you do. And they had a current, like a running a leaderboard. A, a leaderboard of who had done the best. And this, you could do this. I think it was like. It was like six bucks. To six do the bucks first to run. do the first, uh, like a learning how to do it and do your first run and $3 for any other run you wanted to do. Yeah. And it just looked fun. We didn't have time to do it, but. Yeah. That's at, the, the curse of every Gen Con is there's like 90,000 things you want to do and you only have time for four. Exactly. And it looked just totally fun. So most of the things we're mentioning are things that we want to do but didn't actually get to do. The Gamer Olympics falls in that category. It's just like we described earlier. It is actually like a combat arena with the the foam swords and the padded shields, and you get a little you know tutorial before it, and then people can come in and watch. And then I think they have one trained person and one untrained person, right? You know, two men enter, one man leaves, sort of <laughs> mentality. But it just looks like a hoot. And they always at at the entrance, they always had three or four centurions, you know, burly guys dressed as centurions trying to. Lure you in, you in, either yeah. as a participant or being able to come in as one of the crowd members to cheer on the the lowly combatants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but hopefully you get the idea that there's just so many interesting and cool things that if you if you have the extra money and the vacation time, it's worth a trip to Gen Con at least once to see for yourself. But hopefully you can picture in your mind what what goes on, what you could expect. If you didn't have any clue about what Gen Con was all about or all the this wider world of games that we're trying to open up to um, hopefully our listeners out there, um, this gives you at least a – we've opened the door a little bit. It's up to you right. to go through the rest of the way because your impression, the things you're going to find – because I'm sure there are people who may have gone to Gen Con who said, well, those, these guys are idiots. They didn't <laughs> – what about that? And what about that? There's just so, so many things that – different things are going to catch different people's eyes. Right. And – I'm sure if we did this podcast the next night, we would end up with a totally oh, different list of things. Absolutely. Oh, what about that? Because there's just too we many cool things. can't mention right. But look forward to, in the next episode, a full-blown, down-and-dirty uh, look at Rio, Rio Grande, Grande games because we really spent a lot of time in their booth and looked at, at their games in depth. And the interview with Jay Tummelson is just really special and really cool. And what a great way to break off our interview uh, oh. interview, uh, cut our interview teeth is with uh, yeah, the owner exactly, of Rio Grande Games. Exactly. I, I've, you know, even if we had done 20 interviews, I would consider that one of, you know, the interviews that I would really be looking for and have that be the first one. Yeah. Wow. We were, we're hoping that we can entice, uh, game designers and other, uh, game company people to maybe sit down with us and do some other interviews in the future. We hope to make that a regular feature of the show. So, um, We'll, we'll see what you think. Come in the next episode. But we hope you've enjoyed this sort of overview um, tour of, of Gen Con 2006. We had a blast. It was it was awesome. If you have questions, we haven't – I can't believe we've gotten to this point and we haven't pimped thespiel.net. <laughs> but feel free to send us an email at stephen at thespiel.net or dave at thespiel.net. 
And of course, you can find the show notes and all the links to the stuff either on the Enhanced Podcast, which will have the pictures and the, the links, or on our website um, under the Episodes section. You'll find all of the show notes and listings of the, the different game companies and titles there. Um, I think it's time to put a lid on, on this uh, Absolutely. Episode. We could keep talking forever, but we better stop. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so easy to just go, oh, but, and there's this, and there's that. <laughs> so um, without further ado, thank you so much for listening out there. We, we're having a blast, and we hope you are too with us. If it weren't for you all listening out there, we'd just be two crazy people sitting in a room talking to ourselves. <laughs> um, so without further ado, remember, whether it's the roll of a die the turn of a card, or the flip of a tile, you don't have to play to win, you You just just have have to play. play.